You're listening to Radio Influence. You are sitting ringside with David Penzer on Radio Influence. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of City Ringside. My name is David Penzer. We are so happy, as always, that you are here to listen to this thing we call a podcast. You know I do that without... I do that off the top of my head, Jerry. I don't, Jerry's back. I got human contact again. The world's coming back to normal, folks. Holy crap. Finally getting back to normal, and, and I don't even write that down. I, I don't even need a cue card for that. So, uh, welcome. i uh, got a great guest today. He's going to be a uh, big part of Double or Nothing uh, AEW pay-per-view this Saturday night. Uh, you can go to BR Live or Fight TV, and he's going to be part of the stadium stampede match, the inner circle against the elite in an 80,000-seat empty football stadium. We'll get his thoughts on that, and I'm talking about the Spanish god, Sammy Guevara. So much to talk to him about, especially what it's like to learn under the Chris Jericho learning tree. That's a a, a dream a dream gig, I'm sure, for any young wrestler, and 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 for whatever reason that uh, he'll he'll be able to explain, he was able to be the one that got picked for that position. So um, I think almost every young wrestler in the world, if they uh, would die for that position, but uh, we're going to talk to him about that and his career breaking in with Booker T and so much more. But without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, I want to bring this young man on, one of the fastest rising stars in professional wrestling, part of the inner circle. He is the Spanish guy. Sammy Guevara. All right, ladies and gentlemen, my guest this week on City Ringside is going to be part of Stadium Stampede, a first time ever match this Saturday, May 23rd, Double or Nothing, AEW Live on Pay-Per-View. You can contact BR Live or Fight TV to check that out. We're going to talk about the Stadium Stampede match uh, a little bit later in the interview, but at this point, I want to bring on said guest one of the fastest rising stars in professional wrestling right now and we're very happy to have him i'm talking about sammy Guevara. sammy welcome to sitting ringside oh man here i am welcome the pleasure is uh yours of course <laughs> you know spanish god here wow did this did this episode all of a sudden like start off great because now i'm here yeah, yeah, absolutely. I was going to ask. I how, so. I, I, so I was going to ask. I wanted to ask because, you know, I'm that kind of uh, guy. So how's your neck doing? Of course. Of course. You're going to bring this up. Uh, okay. I was trying I'll to. I was, I was looking out for your best interest. It, it's not doing the best. Um, Sorry to hear already that. assaulted me this past Wednesday. I was in a neck brace. He gives me a twist of fate. Tries to end my career. Like I'm not doing great. I saw that you almost came down on your head. I was for a second there. I was like, "Holy crap!" Um, yeah, I thought he wanted to help the young guys. He's he's trying to help me uh, into a quick retirement. It seems like. Well, let me ask you a question. When I, and and I'm not blowing smoke. When I say one of the fastest rising stars, I mean that that, that that's a true statement uh, in the business. How how when I say that, how does that make you feel? Um, I don't even believe it. Like I get told this all the time, you know, throughout the years, like, Oh, you know, you're going to be this, you're going to be that. I'm just, I'm just me. I'm just Sammy Guevara. And, uh, I just keep the same work rate, uh, regardless if I'm opening the show or a main event or whoever I'm in the ring with, I always feel like I have a chip on my shoulder or something to prove. So, you know, I do appreciate you saying that. I, I think it's the truth. Um, but you know, I, it's like tunnel vision for me. You know, we're going to just keep working as if uh, as if we're not the 
hottest rising star in professional wrestling today. Well, that's a good that's a good attitude to have as somebody who's been around for 30 years. I can tell you that. And I'm sure Chris Jericho, who's uh, sort of been mentoring you, has been teaching you a lot of that kind of stuff. And we'll get to Chris a little bit later on because uh, it's a big part of your story, I think. And everybody wants to hear about it. But let's start at the beginning. I believe you went to Booker T's wrestling school in Houston, Texas. Is that correct? That is correct. The five time, five time, <laughs> million time champion there. So, uh, actually, the the funny story, I was working talent relations for WCW, the, uh, and I got to be the one to call him and tell him to bring a suit to Nitro this Monday because you're going to be winning the championship on Sunday night, the world title. So, for the first time of the five times, I was the first one to be able to tell him that, and, uh, and that's kind of a cool story. Oh, wow. Looking, that's, looking back on no, his that's career. super awesome. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, so amazing. were you a wrestling fan growing up? And if so, uh, who were some of your favorites? Oh, yeah. Um, big fan growing up. Rey Mysterio um, was one of the first guys I looked at and saw him. Never the biggest of guys. I was never the biggest of kids. And he went on to be the world champion. Kind of gave me uh, some hope as a small kid thinking, hey, if this man can, can do it, why can't I do it? Granted, I'm a naive kid. Rey Mysterio is one of the greatest to ever do it. Um, but um, him... Chris Benoit, Jeff Hardy, those guys, big influences on a young Sammy Guevara. I, re- I remember when uh, uh, Ray Mysterio first walked into a WCW locker room for a Nitro event and there was buzz going around. You know, this I mean, we've seen, you know, smaller guys before, but this guy's really small. And then he went into the ring and just blew everybody's mind to the point where nobody ever even thought that again. Uh, so it just shows you that. uh that that you know you don't have to be the biggest guy if you have uh, what Rey Mysterio has uh, it shuts everybody exactly. up about I size. Mean, he he paved the way for guys like me you know and guys like Daniel Bryan all these other smaller guys who are you know on top right now he comes from a whole different area the land of the giants and uh, he made it happen sure um, so talk to me about Booker T why him and and then what. Uh, what did he instill in you that uh, that that you think uh, you've taken with you to uh, on your journey? Um, I, I chose there just because that was like the closest school to me. Um, I feel like I got very lucky and fortunate that I happened to live in an area that was close to where Booker's was. Um, and then being there, one of the things I think I'll always remember is right before I had my first match there. You know, I was very nervous, and um, he just told me. The worst thing that's going to happen, kid, the worst thing that's going to happen to you is you're going to go out there and you're going to screw up. If that's the absolute worst thing that's going to happen to you, you're going to be okay. And uh, so that kind of just stuck with me, you know, whatever matches I'm having. I'm just like, I can go have the worst match of my life tonight, but life's going to go on. And I try to remember that, like, you know, it's not the end of the world. Just try to do your best. That's what I've been doing. Yeah, and their trainer Scott Casey taught them that. So uh, it's it's great that that he's passing that on to a new generation. Booker's a great guy for sure. Um, so you jump right into the. It seems like you jump right into the independent scene. Um, we had Joey Ryan on a couple weeks ago. He was one of the owners of PWG, and I never really understood the whole PWG thing. But that's sort of where you really took off. Correct me if I'm wrong. So talk to me about getting going to California and that kind of cultish building uh, that sells out uh, without tickets going on sale, and and how that came about, how you felt, and uh, and and where it took you. Yeah, PWG. That's like uh, at least how it was before in that in the Reseda building. 
that's the place you want to get to. It's like the mecca of independent wrestling. If you can make it at PWG, all of a sudden you're going to have a whole lot of eyes on you. And so that was always a goal of mine uh, is to get there. And then uh, eventually, 2017, I, I got the opportunity to wrestle there. And it was me and myself. It was myself and Ray Juarez opening the show, <laughs> both our debuts. And uh, we ended up going like 20 minutes, completely killing each other. Killer match. We get to the back and uh, one of the young bucks, they come up to us and they're like, uh, hey, uh, you know, great match. You guys went kind of long. Now, granted, this was July, super hot summertime. There's no AC in that building. Oh, geez. They go have their match. They come back and they're like, hey, uh, we just want to apologize. Yeah, it's really, really hot out there. We had to take our time, too. So we totally see why you guys went 20 minutes. Um, but uh, PWG, you know, I was I was very fortunate to be able to be the last match in the Reseda building. Myself wow. versus Walter. Um, and uh, I... I I don't, um, I don't really have, uh, I totally forgot the question. I'm, I'm blanking out. <laughs> no, no, no worries. Just, uh, you pretty much answered it. Just wh- uh, where did it take you? I mean, it, it, it opened up doors oh, for yeah. you, obviously. I know AAA and MLW and we'll talk about that. But, uh, well, I, I guess the, the question is at what point, uh, in your journey, if, or if you have yet, and I'm sure you have, uh, did you think to yourself, you know, I could do this. I could, I could, I could make this a profession. Oh, I always thought it, like, you know, even when I was like a backyard kid. But uh, I guess when it started to become more of a reality is uh, when Wrestle Circus uh, opened up here in Austin, Texas, uh, late 2016, early 2017, they started just giving me really good matches. And uh, they're, they're the ones right before PWG, they're the ones that really put their brand on me and gave me big time matches with like Ricochet, John Morrison, uh, Matt Seidel, all these big names. And uh, I was hanging in there with them and having killer matches with them. And so uh, that really helped get my name out there, get the attention of PWG. And then once I got there, yeah, that opened up everything. Like more people started to recognize me. I was getting booked in Japan. And I still get messages to this day, like me and uh, me and uh, Joey. I don't know why I'm blanking out on his name. I wrestled him. He's in our company. Joey, um, you know who I'm talking about, right? No, I wish I did. I'm trying to think of your roster. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be so funny when I finally say his name. I wrestled him at, uh, at, at PWG at a Battle of Los Angeles. Uh, Janella, Jesus. Oh, Joey Janella, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, a CTE moment. Uh, um yeah, me and Joey Janela, we absolutely killed it, killed each other. And um, to this day, like three years later, people are still, you know, talking about that match. Uh, PWG is very special. You know, I feel very blessed I got to be a part of all that. For sure. And I didn't really understand it until uh, Joey, who Brian, who was one of the owners at the uh, beginning, uh, was on the podcast a couple months ago and explained it all to me. And then I finally kind of got it. Um, I'm assuming you got uh, Conan got you in the AAA. Would that be how that went? Yeah, Conan got me in AAA, and then, uh, but who actually got me into PWG was um, was my friend uh, Alfredo Freddy from uh, Riot Lucha in Monterey, Mexico. He booked me in 2015, and he said, "Hey man, keep killing it here. I'm telling you, I'm gonna get you booked in PWG." And to his credit, uh, two years later, he made it happen. 
So you go, you're in AAA, and uh, with all the confidence in the world, because you always knew that you could do it. Uh, was it a different style? Because I last summer, or maybe two summers ago, I was—I actually think you were on the card. Uh, I was in Tijuana um, with my wife, and uh, there was a AAA card at the Coliseo, whatever they call it. And so I texted Conan. I was like, "Hey, I'd like to come over and say hello, see what you got going." So I'm watching, sort of to the left of the. Uh, the the ramp where the music guys are and uh he said do you have any clue what you're fucking watching and i said i've been sitting here trying to figure it out for the last three matches i said is there like no disqualification and he's like not really <laughs> they they got it but like they don't really ever use it unless it's part of angle and so uh so was it a little bit of strange for you or you already kind of been around that style oh no yeah i've been going to mexico for since like 2012 and oh, wow. uh yeah, AAA, uh, the rules are like, you know, whatever you want the rules to be in this specific match, it seems like. Um, it's In the beginning, it was super funny because it's like, yo, this shouldn't technically be a disqualification, but it's not. Um, I think I wrestled uh, Rush, or Roosh, his uh, first match in the States over at MLW, or one of his first ones uh, in Chicago, and or was in New York. Regardless, I wrestled one of his first ones. He ended up using like a, a, a wire and like whip me with it, and uh, that should probably be a DQ, right? But uh, nope, we just kept it going. <laughs> and uh, in post, they said, uh, "Oh, it's a no disqualification match." I'm like, "No, it wasn't." <laughs> but we just said, "Screw the rules," I guess. Yeah, yeah. The Triple A thing was an interesting experience for me, and Conan uh, put it pretty much right on, uh, put his finger right on the pulse of what I was thinking, because it's it's definitely a different animal for sure. And I also that was the show I got, uh, I got big league by La Parca, but that's a whole different story. Uh, <laughs> were you? Did you do Triple uh, uh, A shows in in uh, Tijuana? Because I'm pretty sure you're on the show. Oh yeah, I did Tijuana pretty much all around Mexico. I went on a little tour with them. I think you did like a mania, which was cool. I think you did like a three or four way match with uh, uh, some other cruiserweights, and I'm pretty sure they people were throwing uh, pesos in the ring after the match was over. Oh yeah, yeah, they would always put. That's the one thing uh, Jack Evans would tell me is like you almost never get a one on one match here. It's always multi man, and uh, it's kind of hard to break that mold out of getting in these multi man matches, especially when you could do almost anything like me and Jack. Um, you're kind of stuck in those for a little bit so you're you're enjoying triple a japan indies mlw things are going well when did you get when did you start hearing uh whispers about aew um uh, right before i did this nwa 70 show which was like october 2018 a little bit before that i heard some rumblings you know through the internet, like this AEW thing. I don't even think the name was like leaked yet or whatever. Just like, there's going to be a new promotion happening and these are going to be some of the people behind it. And uh, then I remember I was on the, the NWA 70 show and Cody Rhodes, he, he comes up to me and he's like, Hey, what are you doing? Uh, what are you doing in mid January? And I'm like, oh, I'm going to be in Japan. And then all of a sudden we just start talking about Japan. And I didn't think about it till later. Why did he randomly ask me that? And then come to January, they do the first press conference. I'm in Japan watching this, like, ah, oh, that's probably what the fuck he was talking about. Um, and, but luckily, like, either that same day that first press conference happened or the next day I ended up getting, like, a, a message basically asking, you know, if I'm under contract with anybody. 
So uh, did you jump at the chance? Did you have to sleep on it? I'm curious because it's probably what probably will go down as the best career decision you ever made. But who knew at the time? It was a new idea. Nobody knew it for sure. Yeah, I mean, for me, it seemed like a, a very sure thing. Like this is going to be something uh, that's going to change the game. But what I hear is a lot of people didn't see the same thing I saw. Like they they were kind of worried, like maybe this isn't a for sure thing or whatever. And so a lot of people didn't sign you know that got offered and for me i i was like i need to get here somehow and uh luckily they came to me but i was thinking in my mind like okay this is definitely real now they did a press conference you see jericho's also a part of this like this is a real thing and i needed to get a part of it and uh so yeah no it was an easy decision um <laughs> yeah there was like no second thoughts so i was like all right let's let's sign this thing and uh, let's make the best out of it and I think I think I've been doing pretty well so far. Yeah, you've taken to it pretty quickly, man. Hey, um, at what point did you know? You know, you're going into AEW now. Obviously, you sign a contract because that's how business is done. You're used to, uh, you know, in Mexico doing four way cruiser main uh, cruiserweight matches. At what point were you made aware that you're going to be part of the number one heel team in the company? Hmm, that was probably around either All Out or. Uh or fight for the fallen one or in between there somewhere. Uh, someone kind of told me that I was, and I, I, but you know, it's like the wrestling thing. You don't really believe it until, uh, until it's there. And so I'm like, Oh yeah. Okay. I'm going to be in a group with fucking Chris Jericho. Yeah. Nice rib <laughs> brother. But, uh, yeah, luckily, luckily this is uh, one of those where it was real. Did Jericho take a liking to you? Was it just a pairing that ended up working organically? How did that happen? So this is like even crazier. That NWA 70 show I was talking about, he, for whatever reason, was watching the live stream on Fight TV. And he uh, he saw my match where I was in like a four-way match. And I did a bunch of crazy things in that. Luckily, I decided, you know, not to phone it in that night because you never know who's watching. Yeah, Apparently, good Jericho's watching this. Yeah. and. Uh, he texts, uh, he texts everybody basically saying like, yo, who is this Sammy kid? We need to get him. And that's how I got in. Unbelievable. You, like you said, you never know who's watching and what could happen. I try to tell my kids that it's, just, it's a life story, not only a wrestling story. Uh, you never know who's paying attention, uh, and what it could bring you. But, um, so I, you know, I was thinking about this last night and not trying to put myself over at all, but. I guess I was like the first pineapple Pete to Chris Jericho. I, I can't, I, you know, I think it was, <laughs> it was sort of like the first experiment that he had, you know, in his, in his 30 plus years of, 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 of recreating himself and doing amazing stuff, you know, was the, you know, uh, you know, ripping the tuxedo jacket off and then taking it back, apologizing. And we did that a couple of times and didn't think anything else of it. And then I'm watching pineapple Pete last night and I'm thinking, wow, I was pineapple Pete. I was the first one. Uh, I hope he managed. I hope. Uh, well. I, I hope Pineapple Pete manages his career way better than I did after the Jericho rub. <laughs> well, I was going to say, well, it sounds like uh, Pineapple Pete owes you, owes you some residuals. Is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> no, 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 no. There was no social media back then or else I'd probably have a lot more followers than I do now. Hey, um, so so my point is, talk about being the sponge that that's 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 under the tree of Chris Jericho for the last year, however long it's been, uh, you know, because I mean, every wrestler probably uh, whether they care to admit it or not, every wrestler, especially every young wrestler who's getting his first opportunity to prove himself. That's that's their probably dream spot. So t- talk to me about that. 
Oh, it's uh, like what you just said, dream spot. Um, because I remember like 10 years ago or 11 years ago, uh, like being in 2008, nine with my friends in my backyard doing code breakers and walls of Jericho to each other. And then, uh, here I am with a freaking group with them. And now we have a t-shirt with sex gods. Like, uh, <laughs> they can get it at uh, shop AEW.com. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the bubbly bunch but, uh, too. The, I saw the bubbly bunch yeah, shirts. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. And, uh, you know, he's so, like, he's so good. Like, I know everybody says that like, he's the goat and everything like that, but if you just look at everything he's done and to still be doing it, like I think it was right before, uh, right before revolution, I think he works like every dynamite going up to it. And I remember there was like two dynamites where I was just on the outside, like, you know, not wrestling. And I was like, what a crazy world, you know, like Jericho's, you know, he doesn't have to go and keep doing all this work but he is. And like, I feel like I should be the one in there taking the bumps, but there he is. He's, he's bumping and whatnot. Um, he's just a hard worker and it kind of, uh, it's motivating to see just cause you know, he, he's at his age, he's done what he's done and he's still getting more and more. And it seems like right now, despite everything else he's done, it's like right now is like he's on top of the world. Yeah. It's an extremely entertaining act for sure. I, I look forward to it every week when, uh, on Wednesday, you know, me and Chris have been friends a long time, but uh, the act is really good. And um, and uh, I started, I start again, not to blow smoke, but I started noticing at the very beginning there were little things that you did that I don't know if Chris maybe told you or you learned along your way, but there are little things that you did uh, that most wrestlers don't pick up on that make a difference. And uh, and so uh, I, I I sort of saw in. Uh, I think what Jericho saw, but uh, it was much more important for Jericho to see it than I, for sure. Um, as far as idea, <laughs> as far as ideas go, um, do you is is it Chris's show, or do you, uh, you, you uh, a lot of some of the stuff that happens uh, your idea, and you guys throw things off each other? Uh, we'll just throw stuff off. I mean, of course, you know, Chris has definitely got the the first say, final say, whatever. You know, he's Chris fucking Jericho, but. Uh, I'll definitely, you know, I'll throw some stuff out there here and there trying to, you know, get my own ideas. And sometimes he'll have, he'll take the idea, but then he'll make it better. Um, Like, uh, for instance, like just doing, uh, I forget what it was, like our little spin thing, like our little pose, our little sex gods pose. Right. That was just some random, like in the ring. I just did a little spin a Rooney pose and then he just comes. And he was not even the legal man. He just comes in the ring and does a pose on top of me. And now that's come like our little signature pose. Genius. So, so like did, when he asked you, and I, I think I know the answer to this question, knowing Chris, but when he asked you uh, to say uh, something in Spanish uh, the other night on the show, uh, I'm assuming that was just totally ad lib. Oh, yeah. I was totally on the fly. Um, <laughs> I love that he just put me on the spot, too, because it's like, you know, what, what am I going to say? But I'm always on. I'm always ready. L honorable, baby. Honorable. That's what it was. Yeah. Perfect comeback, though. And I'm sure that's why he trusts you with his stuff, because he knows if he sticks a microphone in your face that you're going to be there. And uh, and that's important as part of his act. Hey, one of the you know, when when this whole pandemic started and, and the world kind of stopped and wrestling became empty arena, nobody really knew how to react. Uh, I, I think it was the first empty arena show at Daly's Place where you were out there singing Judas because just for fans who don't remember before this craziness of the last three months, uh, the, the, the crowds, uh, were 
uh, singing the song along with uh, the music when Chris would come out. Well, there were no crowds. So you grabbed the microphone and you were singing the song, sort of doing what the crowds do. And that was a uh, that was a moment, I think, that allowed everybody who was worried about what's how's this going to be and and how are we going to get through this to like to just take a, a sigh of relief and have a chuckle. Was was that your idea? Was that his idea? Did you realize at the time how much of a how much of a a, a memory that that would become for people in all this? So before I answer that, the whole singing the song, Chris credits me too. Oh, like we did a couple tag tag matches together, and I'm legitimately just walking behind him as we're coming to the ring, and I'm hearing his song. And I'm just like, this song fucking rocks, <laughs> and so I'm just like, I just start singing it, just messing around, and uh, I think eventually people started doing more and more, and um, so then. Like I think Chris texted me like I don't know however long ago and he's like you know you're the one that started that like like I don't know if I'm the one that started it but I'll I'll take I'll take the credit um, but yeah that was Chris's idea to do it with the empty arena <laughs> and uh, I'll tell you I didn't know how I thought we were gonna do it uh, how they did at the Revolution do like a funny version um, where I'm like the opera singer lady yeah you know what I'm talking about yeah yeah, yeah so the entrance like, yeah yeah I was like. Oh man, I got to learn all these lyrics because uh, before the parts I don't know, I just kind of, you know, just mumble along and I'm like, oh, if we're doing it that way, oh no. But uh, I like the way we did it um, with me in the crowd. And I still forgot lyrics, but, you know, just played it, played it off. Yeah, you know, everybody, everybody, even the best of them, uh, even Jagger forgets a lyric here and there. Uh, we talked about the empty arena stuff. It seems like you guys really embraced it and that sort of, it, it sort of took away the, a lot of the perceived negativity. What were some of the challenge of, challenges of doing that and the continued challenges of having to do that with, I know you guys have more people in there now, wrestlers and, and people in the, uh, uh, in the building that work for the company that have been tested negative, but for COVID, but, uh, but how was that at first and how is it? It's still a challenge in your opinion. So that um, that has with the with the people there, the wrestlers, as fans, or we have a few people that has made such a difference. Just being out there, wrestling yeah, it really does. Uh, yeah, it's it's more enjoyable to watch. It's not just like this silence. It's, you know, you don't have to worry about people it was like, hey, what are you watching? You watching porn over there? Like, what is this? I'm hearing heavy breathing. Like, what is going on? Is this a customs? Like, I I don't understand. Um, but no, uh, there was the one week, though, where we couldn't have more than 10 people in that building. Right. And so uh, me and Kenny Omega went like 23, 24 minutes with no crowd. And uh, I'm very happy with, with that match by the end of it. But I know if we would have had a crowd, oh, my God, that, would, that match would have been so awesome. But, um, yeah, so I'm happy, though, <laughs> that we don't have to do it in front of nobody anymore. Yeah, and I think uh, I don't know if the thinking behind it uh, from Tony uh, is, but my my thinking behind what they're doing now is by putting some uh, office employees throughout scattered is that's what it's going to look like when when this thing is able to open up. I mean, I think they're getting people ready that you know every seat's not going to be filled at the very beginning. It's going to be sporadic people, but it's going to be better than nothing for sure. Yeah, and uh, I mean the UFC just did their event. I think stuff slowly, you know, coming around, you know. I don't know how long it'll all take till we get uh, arenas filled, but some people's better than none for sure. Yeah. Hey, uh, one of the other things that, that made you stand out at the beginning, uh, as you know, the um, the AEW Dynamite show is unique in that 
Uh, they take commercials that aren't really commercials. They show commercials, but they also show what you guys are doing in the box. Uh, so uh, you, people could see you, but they can't hear you. You started coming out with the posters and, and uh, so people could read whatever your message that week was. Sometimes it was asking a hot actress to call you or, or, or follow your video blog, or sometimes it was uh, <laughs> messing, messing with your opponents. Uh, it was interesting because that really, you know, I don't know if you knew it at the time or if it was even your idea, but that really, it, it was very effective in, in what was sort of an awkward uh, silence during the show when there was commercials on, but they were still showing the matches. Who, whose idea was that? And uh, did you think that was going to take off? So that was supposed to be just a one-off. Um, that's actually from some movie. I forget which movie, but the guy has a boom box or uh, whatever. And he's doing these cards to this lady. Uh, that was actually Tony Khan's idea. It was like near Christmas time. And he, he was like, Hey, we're going to get this door for you to come out of. And you're gonna have this boom box. And it's just supposed to be a one-time deal, but, uh, people really liked it. You know, the tweets started coming in like, Oh, you're missing this picture in picture. And, then we just kept doing it every week and we started like just asking celebrities to hit me up. Some of them have, <laughs> I was going to uh, ask. Yeah. Some of them have, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. And so, um, it just kept going. It was just really cool to see. Cause it's like, you, something you don't really expect to get traction. Like, okay, this is just going to be a one thing. And then all of a sudden people are, I have a t-shirt now that says hit me up and I'm, I look like Jesus. That's hilarious. Uh, and yeah, uh, you never know what's going to happen uh, from a one-off idea. They, there's people's careers that have been changed from a one-off idea, but uh, it did. It was like they made the picture in the picture very interesting. Any, any? Could you talk about any of the celebrities that might have hit you up, or is that uh, is that personal? You know, uh, the one I always get the comments about is uh, Victoria Justice's sister. Uh, I googled. Like I googled her after I saw that. By the way, because you know I'm old, I didn't realize who. I don't even know who Victoria Justice yeah, is. Yeah, I, I wanted to hit up Victoria Justice, but then, uh, you know, we're, we're coming up with the ideas, and it's like, well, she has 10 million followers, so she might most likely won't hit me up. But her sister has a lot less, and she's really hot. So maybe we say her, Victoria Justice's sister, hit me up. And we did that, and then uh, it got, like, so many retweets, too. Like, So eventually she did reach out, um, and she did hit me up. Now, what happened further from that? I'm a gentleman, so, you know, I don't kiss and tell. Or who knows? Kiss? What am I talking about? Which lips? What? Have you have you guys met in person? That's all I'm asking. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, then uh, I think we could let, we could let uh, our minds do the rest. But congratulations. Uh, <laughs> I asked, I asked uh, a couple fans if on Twitter for a question. I had a question from CJ Larson. He wanted to know, which pro wrestler do you – with uh, draw inspiration from is there one maybe you had mentioned Rey Mysterio earlier is there one that you draw inspiration from in your career Le Champion Chris Jericho why did I even ask that's obvious answer I know come on now I was trying to get a a Twitter fan uh, uh, in you know try to uh, uh, you know be I got you 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 work in the socials I like it I I got you 54 years old it's hard to figure out this whole social media thing man it's easy for you guys um so so this saturday on pay-per-view double or nothing uh you're going to be in a stadium stampede match the inner circle against the elite um thoughts on having an 80,000 seat football stadium all to yourself to basically 
be do whatever you want to do. Uh, you, you, have you started, you know, coming up with some thoughts and ideas and and what's the craziest thing we could do in a football stadium type scenario? Or are you just going to kind of just go with the flow? Oh, I have. I want to rip that place apart. Like they gave <laughs> us a whole stadium to play with. I want to destroy this place. Um, and stadiums are pretty high. Like how high do you think a stadium is? How many stories? Nine to ten stories. I would love to jump off that. <laughs> the entire stadium? Oh, yeah. I'd love it. Well, that certainly gives us something to look forward to on Saturday night at uh, Double or Nothing. But, um, hey, thank thank you very much for coming on. Uh, uh, I know you do a video uh, blog. Uh, I don't know if you – you probably don't need to promote yeah, that. Yeah, but- no, no, no. It, it's vlog. I know. Oh, 54. Yeah, vlog is like what you type. Vlog is video. Um, but yes, I do it. Sammy Guevara on YouTube. You can go subscribe. Uh, we got 107,000 followers. Wow. And we can have you as well if you subscribe today. Anything else you I'm, want to say? I'm to- like a, yeah. You're I'm learning. Just say I'm a commercial ad, basically. You're learning from Shivani as well as Chris Jericho. Definitely. Anything else you want to say to your fans uh, that have, that that support you and uh, and and any you just got to keep going and 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 hope this never ends. I'm assuming. Oh yeah, I'm Peter Pan. I'm never growing up. It's <laughs> never ending. Um, but they know that anyone who uh, you know is a fan of me, I appreciate it. And uh, so we're only going up from here. So if you're not a fan, you might as well just join now because you're going to be saying a lot of me, a whole lot. Well, congratulations on your success. Tell Jericho I said hey, and um, and and yeah, learn as much as you can from him because, uh, like I said, uh, you, every wrestler's young wrestler's dream probably is to learn under that tree, and you got to do it. So, uh, and you're making the most of it. So, congratulations and good luck in uh, Stadium Stampede on Saturday night, and uh, in the future with AEW Dynamite uh, Wednesdays at eight o'clock on TNT. Thank you. And there he is, folks, the Spanish god, Sammy Guevara. Big thank you to him. A big thank you to AEW, the folks there, for making that happen. We really appreciate it. And uh, be sure, this Saturday night, Double or Nothing, live on pay-per-view, BR Live or Fight TV is the way to go, or your local cable operator, wherever you buy pay-per-views. Big car. Mike Tyson's going to be there to present the winner of the tournament for the TV title between former guests of this show, uh, Lance Archer and... Cody. Also, it's going to be Brody Lee taking on the World Heavyweight Champion, John Moxley, and the Stadium Stampede match with this week's guest. He just talked about it and wants to jump off a stadium. We'll see if he does it this Saturday. I'm talking about the Inner Circle versus the Elite in the football stadium that the Jacksonville Jaguars play in. So that should be interesting as well. Looking forward to it. And be sure to watch AEW Dynamite each and every Wednesday night. 8 o'clock Eastern Standard Time on TNT. Never thought I'd say that again back on TNT, but I'm glad for them and they're doing great. If you want to follow me on said Twitter, I am politically correct on Twitter. So you can follow me at David Penzer, all one word, D-A-V-I-D-P-E-N-Z-E-R, at David Penzer. Join us, won't you? And look forward to interacting with you guys. One of our listeners got to uh, send in a question that we just asked, Sammy, that you heard. So, uh Get in on the action when you can. And uh, be sure to listen each and every week, every Monday. It pops up if you are a subscriber. If you don't subscribe, be sure to subscribe. Tell your friends and neighbors. Spread the word. Until next week, this is David Penzer, still City Ringside. 
Follow David Penzer on Twitter at David Penzer. Also, make sure to follow the show on Twitter at Penzer Ringside. You've been sitting ringside with David Penzer on Radio Influence. This is an MJ Morning Show podcast quick fix on Radio Influence. Hey, Froggy, so what was the one job that I gave you to do between last podcast and this one? Don't even remind him, MJ. It's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. So let it go. Oh, my God. Guys, I got a special announcement. Shut up. No, you don't. Come in here, Keenan. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what's up, guys? It's Keenan. Keenan hey. Thompson from Saturday Night Live. I, I'm not going to go. I'm not I'm not going to do it. So stop asking me. You sent me a picture. You're like, oh, no, 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 I'm talking about this. I am talking about this. So wait a minute. Froggy stop, will not stop, attempt. No, on, no, I'm talking about this. Froggy will not attempt to make contact with Keenan Thompson from Saturday Night Live, who literally his house is right across the canal from Froggy's house. Like the backyards are, what, 50 yards tops across from each other? Uh, Froggy's house looks right into the backyard of Keenan Thompson's house. And of course, Keenan during quarantine, he's doing all of his SNL. They did their last, uh, what, season finale? live SNL at home deal uh, from uh, their homes on Saturday and Keenan again was at his Tampa home and Froggy, I'm not going to ignore this, so Froggy can't get a message to Keenan, can't figure out a way to say hey Keenan, I'm your neighbor, would you come on the MJ Morning Show podcast and say hello but Froggy sends me a picture of three women in bikinis poolside in Keenan's backyard. So Froggy is that close to send me a picture from Keenan's backyard from his dock across the way, but he can't make contact with Keenan. Oh, is that what you didn't want me to talk about, Froggy? That's weird. I didn't see that. I was taking a picture of my neighbor's kayak that he went to sell me, <laughs> oh, and, uh, if you see that. So I don't know if there's women in the background or not. I'm not looking at the women. I'm not a creep. <laughs> If Keenan's in the background with three amazing asses, it has nothing to do with me. The MJ Morning Show podcast can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, MJMorningShow.com, and RadioInfluence.com.